Hello, this is Charlie O'Shields, and welcome to another episode of Sketching Stuff. One of my very favorite things to sketch is food. Okay, I'll admit it, I also just like food in general and love to eat, so these two joys go hand in hand, really. For those of you who attended art school once upon a time, I'm sure you have memories of drawing or painting a still life that likely included some pears, apples, or other such fruits. For my own sketches, I simply choose the food that I enjoy and then sit back and enjoy all of the wonderful memories each little food sketch brings back to mind. It's uncanny how many wonderful memories can be brought back thanks to food, whether it's special dishes from that special aunt at a family gathering or family pizza night. The food is a fun part to be sure, but it's the joy of sharing food together that creates such wonderful moments. And it's because of this that I adore drawing and painting food whenever I get the chance. So join me now as I share some of my own memories that came to mind on those times when I found myself sketching food. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. A Ripe Banana There's really nothing tastier than a ripe banana, and it also happened to fit perfectly with a prompt of spots one time. Bananas are devilishly difficult to sketch and paint and would probably have been better served with more time and attention, but even in less than an hour, I think they look rather banana-like, so I was satisfied. Though I admit to loving the taste of ripe bananas, the texture leaves much to be desired. When they reach this point, they're far better relegated to banana bread or lovely bananas foster. I tend to like them a touch greener when I'm consuming them on their own. But bananas have always made me really happy because they're usually associated with monkeys, which I find rather adorable. My mother used to refer to my childhood shenanigans as monkey business, which literally means wasting time on some foolish project. I didn't consider any of my amazing ideas I had as a kid foolish and actually loved the idea that a monkey might find a way to make a successful business out of it. This hasn't changed very much at all. Today, I'm still chasing dreams and following my heart to wherever it leads me. I watch people who have business plans and other such things in place and I'm truly impressed. How wonderful to know exactly what you want to happen next. I, on the other hand, run on pure love and impulse. I simply do what I feel like doing at any given moment and assume that my love of the act will make good things happen in return. This may indeed seem a bit like monkey business, but I don't like to think it's ever foolish to follow your passion. When you're focused on what you love, the world will simply love you back for that. I truly believe this. Love is by far the strongest emotion you can put back into the world and the way things are going in the world today, I think it's the primary emotion that's needed right now. That combined with a healthy permission to play and seek joy is really the best way to live life. As I head into each weekend, I'm usually exhausted from a very busy week. A million things happened over those past several days and I'm always looking forward to taking a little break. But I'm always happy to paint something each time I come home before heading into my evening. And that little joy is what gets me through almost every day. As a kid, I know my mother was dealing with quite a lot. I had so many dreams and so many things that I wanted to accomplish. I can only imagine that raising me was an exhausting endeavor. But I'm driven not to succeed, but to make some sort of difference. 
and each time I sit down to create a post feeling the last bit of energy drain from my body, I hope that I'm on the path to doing just that. I just want to bring a bit of good into this world and make people smile. I think in the end that's always been my goal. Even on those most stressful days when I'm simply feeling like a ripe banana. A drink of spring. When I was at lunch today, the little cafe where we ate had some citrus-infused water that was delightful, so that came to mind for a prompt of glassy. The water was actually mostly oranges and maybe a lemon, but limes make things much more colorful. The weather was sunny for a brief period, but the winds still had the harsh chills of winter. In that moment, at least, I could enjoy the idea of spring and warmer weather. Dreaming of the lovely days ahead once winter decides to finally give up already and move on properly. Our dog Phineas is not a fan of winter and has been sneezing his disapproval each time he dares going out on the terrace to his favorite spot. The spot where one day he'll spend long afternoons baking in the sun as though that's what actually gives him his golden color. There he'll no doubt be dreaming of smarter dads who had the good sense to move to Southern California in the first place. But for now, we are simply waiting and wishing the winds would blow some warmer air our direction. I have to admit though, the act of painting something citrus did warm me up a bit. Or perhaps it was the glass of wine I had nearby, safely out of reach so I didn't dunk my brush into it. Which of course has happened many times before. Either way, I was happy in that moment, even though I was running a bit late because I had a dental appointment after work. All seemed good, and I was told if I would only floss a bit more, I might be able to keep these teeth around until I'm 80. I wasn't told what would happen after that, but still felt good with the diagnosis. Yes, going home directly after having your teeth cleaned to drink red wine probably defeats a bit of the purpose, but all other ways to celebrate a successful dental appointment seem dull and less festive. Actually, I don't spend much time thinking of other ways, and instead thought that most people probably don't use a dental appointment as an excuse for a celebration. I, however, will use any excuse I can any chance I get. Beyond citrus drinks, Philippe has already moved our menu into spring mode. We're done with winter and ready to move on whether it likes it or not. Tonight we had a lovely appetizer of spicy beans and avocados that's a sure signal that warm weather food is coming back. Soon we'll be eating our dinner out on the terrace again and enjoying evenings when the sun stays around a bit longer. I always seem to be in a bit of a dream state, thinking of things ahead and in the past. Perhaps this is why I rarely sketch exactly what's in front of me, but instead what's on my mind in the moment. It's of memories and dreams that can be something far in the past or something as nearby as tomorrow. I use painting to reflect and ground myself a bit before moving on with life. It's a bit of a therapeutic exercise that makes me happier each time I sit down to create something. And though even the windy winter day that I actually had today was lovely in its own right, I prefer to take a little moment and enjoy a drink of spring.
Guacamole Day. Monday, September 16th is Guacamole Day, so feel free to pause this right now so you can mark your calendars. I'll wait. To illustrate this day, I chose to doodle wash just the avocados themselves rather than the actual dish, which in its most basic form takes some mushed up avocados and adds cilantro, onions, garlic, tomatoes, and lime. I love avocados in any form, so I'm equally a fan of guacamole. But I've encountered several friends who are not really fans, so any trip to a Mexican restaurant with them will start with cheese dip instead. But if you're curious like me, this dish was invented by the Aztecs who deemed avocados an aphrodisiac. The name comes from the Aztec word ayucatl, which translates to testicles, so they really weren't being subtle about the aphrodisiac bit. I've just learned this fact and will probably never look at an avocado the same way again. Actually, in honor of the day, I was able to coax Philippe into making his amazing fish tacos, which happen to be topped with guacamole. He's currently working on them now and I'm excited to try them, though I think I'll wait to tell him about this bit of trivia until after dinner. In truth, I love little geeky bits of trivia like this. This podcast actually contains many of them. And you'll find many more from me on doodlewash.com. Yeah, sure, it's an art blog, but I have a complete inability to stay on topic. Or I'd like to think, at least, a unique ability to cover the topics that inspire art rather than only the techniques used to make it. Our world is so interesting, and I adore learning all of the bits of life that brought us to the things we can often take for granted today. I apparently married well because Philippe just mentioned how excited he was to watch a documentary later about pickles. Yes, there's apparently an hour-long show dedicated to this, and he can't wait to experience it. It's in French, so I was only able to make out the title, but I'm rather sure Cornichon means it's actually just a show about pickles. Well, the tiny little French ones often included in a charcuterie board. It's times like these that the American in me feels a little less sophisticated. I was an adult before I even knew what charcuterie was, and I still don't really speak French very well. Last year, Philippe and I used Guacamole Day to book our family trips. First up was mine in Texas, set in early December. I didn't grow up in Texas, nor have I ever lived there, so it still feels a bit like visiting an exotic location. Then this past January, we headed to Paris to visit our family there. For me, these trips are such an inspiration from both the stories they create in the moment, as well as the ones they evoke from the past. I learn a little something new each time, and I adore the experience. Granted, it's a bit of a culture shift to move from Tex-Mex to charcuterie, but the times with family really aren't that different in the end. What I love most isn't all the distinct differences, but the incredible sameness that proves no matter where you live in the world, we ultimately experience a rather similar life. A wonderful life filled with bits of trivia and routine that connects us in a very special way. While today's world often glorifies our differences, I'm just happy enjoying our commonalities. And while I've no idea if the Aztecs were right about avocados, I'm thrilled to still be enjoying them hundreds of years later and celebrating my own very special guacamole day. My dad always liked onions. 
When I go to doodle wash something each day, the first step is choosing my colors. Staring closely at red onions, which one likely never does on a regular basis unless painting or thoroughly bored, I chose four colors, but none of them were actually red. Calling these red onions is a bit like saying someone has red hair when it's clearly closer to orange in color. But as it turns out, the words for secondary colors are rather new to the dictionary. So most things that might have been either purple or orange were simply described as red, and those names sort of stuck. Even with the new words to describe them, history had already made the decision. Red cabbage is another one that's perfectly misnamed by today's lexicon, but traditional often wins, which is a rather nice thing. It would be sad to think that everything must be continually updated to comply with the changing times. Traditions, after all, are what help ground us and keep us from going crazy as times continue to shift and change. Though it may seem odd, onions were the first vegetable that came to mind when I was thinking of my dad on Father's Day. He passed away over 15 years ago now, and so this day is always a bit of a reflective time for me. As each year passes, I find myself trying to cling to those memories that keep him close to me. And while onions might seem like an odd thing to recall, what I remember most was that he was what they referred to as a meat and potatoes kind of man. And potatoes, while technically a vegetable, don't really count as one. This is not even a defining feature for a man in the Midwest back then, or often now, but it's the image that came to mind. Grilled onions would always accompany his steaks, but I never liked onions back then. In truth, we never seemed to have very much in common when I was a kid or even through my adulthood, but that always made him rather fascinating to me. He wasn't ever my best friend, but he was always someone I admired even when we didn't share the same tastes. My mother loves to tell a story where a very little Charlie was having a long chat with his dad. She didn't want to disturb us and says to this day she still has no idea what we were talking about for so long. It was the moment after this long chat that she remembers most. He worked nights and had left to go to work for the evening. After he was gone, I turned to my mother, paused for a moment, and then simply said, I like that guy. Sure, it's comical and illustrates just what an odd child I was, but it was also a defining story that would serve to sum up our entire relationship. There would be a very few moments where I would say, I love you, and I'm not entirely sure now if they ever happened or I just suppose they must have occurred. One is meant to love their father, so I'm sure I must have said that at one point or another. When he unexpectedly passed away, I found myself searching for all of those little moments that seemed to matter most. And while some worry if they told someone they loved them before they passed, I only hope that he knew after all of those years that I did indeed still like that guy. And were a miracle to occur that would allow us to have that chat again today, I'm certain things would be very much the same. Because now I finally realize that for all of our differences, we weren't very different at all. We were made from the same cloth, as they say, and though the patterns seemed so unique, they were, in the end, not that different at all. I'd love to know what we chatted about those decades ago in that little dark room just before he went to work. I'm sure he imparted some wisdom that I was meant to take with me until this day. But something tells me whatever he said, I did take it to heart. And it was certainly important because I never told another person, not even my mother. 
And while I've fumbled and succeeded throughout life, I think I've managed to turn out to be a rather good person in the end. This is in no small part because of that guy I chatted with when I was so very young. That guy would live on to become a driving force in everything I do in life, even if in this moment I can only recall that my dad always liked onions. Eating Little Trees When I was a kid, I didn't love as many vegetables as I do today. Today, vegetables are mostly all that I eat, but back then I needed a little bit of extra inspiration. Broccoli was one exception as it always fascinated me in the way it resembled a little miniature tree that you could eat. So when I saw the prompt of trees one day, it was the very first thing that came to mind. Admittedly, I did enjoy it most when covered in cheese back then, but could still manage to eat it plain, a testament to its intrigue and wonder, and perhaps a reveal into the way my crazy mind works. I've always been a bit visually inclined, meaning the way things look had a huge impact on whether or not I would invite them into my life. It was rarely those things deemed beautiful by the masses, but instead something unique and interesting that caught my eye and made something or indeed someone beautiful to me. Watercolor sketching every day has been a wonderful adventure of rediscovering the beauty of ordinary life. Those bits and baubles we take for granted as being far too usual to demand a second glance. These are still, even today, my most favorite things of all. Once last year, Philippe and I returned home from California late at night, tired and yet still feeling the glow of a wonderful trip. The only thing we ended up buying while we were there were a set of four coasters with retro scenes of San Clemente and a little ceramic dish with a woodblock etching of a mermaid. Out of all the wonders that California had to offer us, these were the things we chose to bring home. In the moment we saw them in that little shop we happened to wander into, we decided they were the perfect souvenirs of our trip. Upon returning home and unpacking, we were thrilled once again to see them and they brought back every memory of our journey. It's not surprising that the word souvenir is French for memory and that the French don't really have a separate word as we do for souvenir. A memory is just a memory, after all. Nothing grand is required to remind us of every little thing we experience in life. Just a token of a perfect moment is all that's ever really needed. When I think back to my childhood, it's always a series of mundane things that spark the thought of something more unusual, a particular event that happened, a particular note, and it's equally the mundane things that hold an allure all their own. Those moments so basic and unassuming that they nearly seem like they shouldn't matter at all. Yet those are the purest moments, the ones devoid of glamour and glitz and instead filled with simplicity and soul. There are so many exotic things I'd love to do in life before I die, but I'm quite content with all the wonderful things I've already had the pleasure to experience. We're never defined by our most amazing moments, but instead by all the tiny ones that form the very fabric of our identity. It's why we can be shocked to meet a celebrity in person and realize they aren't really all that different from us at all. How we can find ourselves bored at a fancy event despite all of the incredible spectacle and why, no matter how old I become, I will always think of broccoli as simply eating little trees. 
Reflections on Pears. One of the fun parts of these daily doodle washes that I create is that while the prompts can help me figure out what to paint, I never have a clue what I'm going to write in response to whatever happens next. Once I had a prompt of pears, and so I guess I was meant to reflect on fruit. I've really no idea what comes to mind when I think of pears other than that they're delicious and I adore them, but only when they're perfectly ripe and can be eaten in a way that barely requires any chewing at all. That's when they're perfection in both texture and taste. I'm actually no expert on pears, but that's the way I prefer them at least. Weirdly, I've always struggled with painting pears, and this one seemed a bit more successful. Philippe actually said he liked it and described it as a punk Anna Mason. If you're not familiar with Anna Mason's work, she makes wildly detailed and beautiful watercolors. She's also been a featured guest artist, so if you'd like to learn more about her, find her feature on doodlewash.com. Philippe referred to mine as punk because it was made in 45 minutes and not given any of the time and attention to detail that Anna's amazing works are given. One day when I have the time, I truly love to try that style. So awesome. But today, I'm satisfied with just being a watercolor punk. I'm truly not a punk or rabble rouser when it comes to art or anything else at all. I'm not really attempting to buck the system so much as trying to find my place in all of it and to help others find their place as well. I often talk about rules and how I don't like them, but it's mostly because I feel like most of the rules simply weren't written with me in mind. This isn't surprising, really, as I'm not remotely famous, just a guy with a blog who adores watercolor. There's no way they could have known about me when they decided that things should be this way and not that way. Those people who decide such things, at least. And I figure I'm not really alone on this. As we each approach our art in our own unique ways, it's strange to be told there's anything remotely approaching a right way or a wrong way. Okay, I get it. When it comes to rewiring an electrical outlet, the wrong way is not a happy experience at all. But with art, when someone does something the wrong way, it can make hundreds and sometimes thousands and thousands of people really, really happy. I've never figured out what constitutes right and wrong in art. I just keep taking a little moment each and every day to make something new. Since I barely have time to sit down to paint, I can't possibly waste an extra minute fretting about whether or not what I'm doing is actually art. What I do know is that I love what I'm doing. And that's all that really matters in the end. If I love it, then it's twice as possible someone else out there might just love it as well. And that's what makes me happy. I've never been interested in fame. It just seems like a lot of work. I'm more interested in making a difference in the world. And I don't mind at all if in doing so, people forget my name. I'd rather instead that they remember a name like Doodle Wash or Sketching Stuff. Fun ideas that simply mean make what you love and love what you make. Whether you're taking weeks to make a masterpiece or stealing a few minutes out of your day for reflections on pears. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. Thank you.